0: That is a brand name, right, of a product that is botulinum toxin A or on a botulinum toxin A. And when I say Botox, I am literally referring to the four other approved botulinum toxin drugs. So because Botox was the first approved, it has kind of become like the top name. But there are four other botulinum toxin drugs on the market as well. So we've got Dysport, Xeomin, Jevo, or you might hear Javo referred to as New Talks, And then we have the newest one that's come down the pike, Daxify, or people are nicknaming it Daxi. Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated
1: with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. I'm a small-town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner, offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. Hey friend, it's episode 406 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Today we're talking about Botox. Okay, I wanna talk about the toxic effects of Botox. My friend Gretchen Elizabeth is gonna be coming on the show to chat about everything, understanding Botox, understanding fillers, living without these things, what Botox is doing in our body, the three issues with it, chemical denervation, why we're not told of these issues that are coming up, and like what to do if we're faced with these issues, how to live without these quote-unquote solutions to anti-aging. So this has nothing to do with keto, and if you're like totally freaking out right now because you think I'm about to say stop doing Botox, don't freak out, okay? Stop thinking like, Leanne, you're going to take away my carbs, but you're not going to take away my Botox. I understand. I've been there. I did Botox for over 15 years, every two to three months. I was absolutely addicted. I'm not proud of this. I am purely sharing to try to encourage at least one of you. And that's what Gretchen and I said in the interview today is like, if one of you chooses not to move forward with Botox or to stop your Botox treatments, then we have done our work. Okay? Like, We've done our work to avoiding a potential Botox injury, and I am so game for this. So I'll kind of share a little bit about my experience with Botox, why I did it, why I stopped, what my reactions were, because I think it'll be helpful for just setting the stage of this conversation we're about to have. So... I started Botox around the age of 21 or so. I was seeing a dermatologist at the time who was helping me with my skin issues. I had been on Accutane two times. It really hadn't worked. I was looking for other solutions. They were selling me super expensive skin products that never did work. What did work was killing off parasites and working on my liver. My skin has never been better, but I digress. One of the nurse assistant's Talk to me about Botox said now was a great time to do it when I was young I could avoid a lot of these issues in future with wrinkles and I was like where do I sign up this sounds great. I started off with a very low amount so though it was expensive I kind of justified it of like but if it's investing in my future I won't have to do as much when I'm older which was a total lie. By the time I got into my 30s, I was doing 60 units in my face every two to three months to keep up with it. It was insane. And so I really didn't have any bad effects. You know, sometimes somebody would lift my eyebrow too much and I'd have to go in to get things fixed. But other than that, I didn't have too many issues. Until I turned like around 34 years old, I started having just mild issues where like, one time I would feel kind of itchy after, or the next time the injection sites would be really bumpy. Another time I'd get like terrible headaches that would last a couple of days, but I was like, no big deal. It's probably just because I have a sensitive body. Like it's fine. You know, I love the way it makes me look. I want to avoid wrinkles. I don't want to age. I don't want people to judge me. I don't want my face to move. I found it very I I don't really care about other people's faces. I don't judge other women for their faces moving, but it made me feel really uncomfortable having a face that moved. And so, I mean, even to say that sounds ridiculous, like coming out of my mouth, but I just, I did not feel comfortable with my face moving. And I felt very self-aware of my expressions when they were expressing, (laughs) okay, I really didn't like it. And so, Yeah, I kind of just went along with some of these issues that were starting to come up when I'd get Botox. But because I liked the outcome, I really didn't say anything or really care or put two and two together, really. So about a year and a half ago, I would say it was like August 2020-ish. Yeah, around there, I guess. Maybe a little bit later. I went in for my regular Botox and my Botox lady said, or, like I said, you know, I have these lines by my mouth and she's like, marionette lines. I'm like, can Botox do anything with this? And she's like, not really, but we can put filler in your jaw so that it extends the skin a little bit more and gets rid of the marionette lines. And I was like, yeah, okay, just don't overdo it because I don't like the look of filler. And she's like, no problem. So she did it, which was like totally stupid. Why didn't I look into this? But like, you know, when you're sitting there and you're like, okay, fine, like, let's just do it. You know, everyone does it. I didn't sign anything. I didn't read anything. I didn't know what I was putting in my body. So we did Voluma in my jaw and it was about a 45 minute drive home. I was driving home and I started feeling worse and worse and worse. By the time I got home, I had a full fever. I felt absolutely terrible. I called her clinic and and the lady picked up her assistant just said like yeah that's totally okay you're probably just sick you probably just picked up something just go to bed ice your neck because it was like itching down my neck and was like starting to feel really weird down my neck not any like the injection site was at my jaw and so I went to bed I woke up the next day it still wasn't good I waited until day three I still had a fever I called in and she said I probably was just sick that this wasn't a common outcome of fillers and to just like basically sleep it off So that reaction lasted about 12 days until the fever broke. And at that point, the fillers had actually migrated to my neck. Like you can actually feel the bumps on the back of my neck. And I'm still trying to find somebody that can dissolve them with a laser. Anyway, that's another topic for another day. So that definitely kicked me into gear of like, maybe there's like something to this, like maybe I shouldn't be doing this. But I kept going back because I was literally addicted. And I am absolutely positive there is another women woman listening right now that is addicted to this stuff like I do not doubt it I was there it sucked it sucked even more when I started noticing that it was actually affecting me and every time I went into Botox every two to three months I had this feeling like something like this could be the last time I do this like this could really mess me up like is this gonna be the time that my face goes all lopsided is this gonna be the time that I get really sick like it was starting to kind of worry me. And kind of looking back, there were even circumstances before I started worrying that were happening, like these terrible headaches I would get, this itching and these puffiness at the injection sites and pain down my neck. The neck pain was substantial and it lasted and lasted. It never went away. It never went away. I can tell you that I've been free of neck pain for the last nine months, having stopped my Botox treatments. I'm so thankful I did, But it wasn't easy. It was not easy. The last time I got Botox was probably the worst reaction I had, and it really took that reaction to be like, okay Leanne, like this is enough, we gotta stop. I had gone in with the intention to just get a small little bit to start weaning myself off of Botox. All I wanted was just a tiny bit in my forehead, I only wanted 20 units. I was very clear when I sat down and the lady who was not my original lady that I normally see talked me into getting a full 60 units again. Like, ah, uh, you know, when you've been in those circumstances where like you go in and you're like, I'm going to do this and they're going to say this and I'm going to be this strong boss lady. And then you're like, you totally buckle. <laughs> that was me totally buckled. So she's injecting my face and I had this like strong reaction. I don't know if it was like mental of just, I committed to something and now I'm going against what I committed to, but I felt like I was going to pass out. So I said, please stop. I I can't do this. And she's like, Leanne, I've only done half of your face. We need to keep going. So I took a little breather. I drank some water and I buckled down and I did the rest. She bruised both sides of my face. My eyebrow, one was higher than the other. (laughs) Like I had incredible pain. Like immediately after she was done, I had such a strong headache. It like hurt to move my eyes. It was terrible. And so I I got home. I was planning to go to a wedding three days following with like now bruises all over my face. Oh my goodness. It was, yeah. So I'm on the plane the next day and I'm feeling like, I don't even know how to describe it, but just like this movement going from my forehead down the the top of my head and down my neck, like over and over and over, like this pulsating like movement from my forehead, down my neck, down the base of my spine to like, I don't know, like C5 and then like over and over and over and over and over. And that lasted for like three days following the injection. And that's when I was like, Leanne, you're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. You're not doing this again. You are not doing this again. You're not doing this again. So I started researching to encourage myself because up until this point I'd been totally avoiding doing any research because I didn't want to deal with it. Like I just, I didn't want to deal with it. I wanted my Botox. I wanted to just live my life with my face that didn't move and my face that wouldn't age and be all fine and dandy. So that's when I found Never Talks, and Gretch Elizabeth runs Never Talks. She's obsessively studied botulism toxin for over six years. She's a former high school human sciences teacher and beauty educator. Six years ago, she devoted her life to studying botulism toxin after her sister acquired botulism from cosmetic Botox. She now works full-time as a patient advocate for people who have experienced Botox injury. Gretch also works as an admin for the largest international Botox injury support group where they offer the most comprehensive education, patient safety, informed consent, and help for IBP sufferers, education seekers, and providers. She's made a lifelong personal commitment to embrace her age and be botox Free and hopes to inspire others to do the same. You can find Gretch by going to Instagram at NeverTalks. She has a website, never-talks.com. Okay, let's cut to today's interview. I hope that me sharing my personal story really relates to maybe one of you, that you're willing to give this conversation a try. I just, I really hope that there's just one of you at least that feels compelled over this. And if you want more information about how to just live and take care of your skin, I'm working on more and more resources over the time. But if you're listening to this and you're just totally freaking out, I'll share them with you right now so that you have some resources. So here are some of the things that I've done removing Botox from my life. I've brought in derma needling myself, which I really, really love. I've gotten into the groove with it. I use beauty counter serums after my derma roller and I'm really, really happy with those. I've been using beauty counter products for probably three or four years now and I'm kind of like amped it up a little bit with me not doing the Botox. I also use frownies every other night when I'm not doing the derma needling and I've started doing a lot of lymphatic massage and exercises for my face to assist. When it comes to wrinkles, I've found Yarrow Palm to be quite helpful from doTERRA. So those are some of my like top things. If you're looking to go Botox free or perhaps you've been like toying around with the idea but you haven't really dove in yet, yay! Hopefully you listen to this before you make your decision. Really this is about educating yourself so that you know what you're getting into because I had no idea and so I'm hoping that by sharing this information you can have an idea and make an educated choice for yourself. Okay let's cut over to today's interview for realist time. Hi, Gretchen. How are you doing today?
0: Hey, I'm well. Thanks so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. I do want to say in advance before we get too much into this that they are cutting trees down, <laughs> um, not in my backyard, but one yard over. So hopefully, right now, I think they're on a lunch break, but hopefully it doesn't get too loud. I just I'm sorry about that. I didn't know they were doing it today. <laughs> It is okay. There's a
1: literal hurricane happening outside right now. So if people hear smash, slough, it's because I live on a boat and there's a hurricane. So well, between trees and hurricanes, hopefully everyone can hear us okay. Yes, exactly. Okay. You live
0: on a boat. Amazing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And so today I wanted to chat about Botox, fillers, toxic beauty culture, everything to do with injectables. And you have been such a light in me understanding what's going on. And I really am so thrilled to have you on the show today to just share with us some of these truths that I know when I kind of delve deep into this topic, it was really difficult for me to get into it. So I, I want to start off by just asking you, how did you get into this work? What's your story? Why are you so passionate about this topic?
0: Okay. All right. Perfect. So I got into this work in a different way, I think, than others, than others have. So in a different way also than the team members that I work with. So with the exception of myself and one other gal um, that I do this with, the people on our team have been directly, um, they have directly suffered from injectables. Whereas I haven't. Um, I have never used Botox. I have never used injectable, injectables. There was a time in my life that I considered it, however. And it was just a few short days away, actually, I was just a a few short days away from having my own consultation at a dermatology clinic um, to get Botox when my sister, actually, she's two years older than me, she had Botox and she suffered a catastrophic injury to her very first uh, cosmetic Botox treatment. And so I can tell you a little bit about what happened. Uh, She received 30 units uh, to the glabellar area um, and also in, in the middle forehead area. And five days after she had those injections, she experienced stroke-like symptoms and heart attack-like symptoms that took her back to her prescribing physician and the emergency room, obviously. And so during that acute phase uh, where she experienced what I know now as the clinical signs and symptoms of botulism, I began researching this toxin because her prescribing physician who was a dermatologist and the emergency room said that it's not from the Botox or they said, we've never heard of this happening before. And, you know, she of course knew that it was from it. And I of course knew that that was the only thing that she changed in her life. Uh, my sister and I are very, very close. We live in the same city. We spend tons of time together. I was one of the first people that she notified, you know, when this happened to her she knew without a shadow of a doubt that it was from the Botox. So I've spoken about Heidi's story many times on other things, and I encourage people to check out our blog um, and also some of the other things that I've done so that you can see her entire story because it's written from her viewpoint. So it's in her own words. And I I think that it's really eye-opening for people to read someone who had it for their very first time and then suffered in the way that she did. And at the time when it happened, I I was a new mom and I was not working outside the home and you know watching her go through this i just knew in my my intuition like my gut instinct told me that this is not right something is seriously wrong and i basically you know i wanted i wanted to save my sister i i was very very worried that something bad was going to happen and i so i started researching i started researching this talk, toxin looking for anybody and everybody that i could find to see if there was some kind of like i think in my mind at that time I thought that I was going to come upon a magic cure or a magic pill to like tell her about so that she could reverse what had happened to her. And I can remember feeling like, you know, my heart was just in pieces, quite literally, because I feared that she wasn't going to make it. And so that is how I began, you know, in this line of work. And I kind of, you know, I went down, um, I was talking with another gal last year who described it like diving down a rabbit hole. And that's, that's basically how how it began. Mm-hmm.
1: When I started eating a low-carb diet in 2014, I had no idea the impacts that low electrolytes would have on my overall health. I started keto, I added a little bit of pink salt to my water, but really didn't think that a lack of sodium, potassium, or magnesium would really throw me off. I can tell you after a couple of weeks of eating the ketogenic diet, it was very apparent that I needed electrolytes. Unfortunately, at the time, there was no Element electrolytes. There was no such thing. I really had two different options. They weren't the best. I went and added pink salt to my water. That tasted not so great. Fast forward a whole bunch of years, Element came out with their first electrolyte powder, and I've been hooked ever since. In fact, little secret here, I actually add more salt to my element packet because I'm crazy. So my very favorite way to enjoy element electrolytes is to add it to my 24 ounce water bottle and add an additional quarter teaspoon of gray sea salt. Now this isn't for everybody, but for Individuals that are massively lacking sodium, I do have this issue personally. Um, It can display as allergies, apathy, abdominal bloating, depression, dizziness, fatigue, low blood pressure, low hydrochloric acid in your stomach, poor protein digestion, weakness, slow oxidation, and unfortunately, calcium supplements will make this even worse. And so, If you think that maybe, maybe you need more sodium on your ketogenic diet, the best way to bump this up is with electrolyte packets. I've had many coaching friends and clients tell me that they're taking anywhere between two to six packets a day. I know that it is my most favorite way to prepare for a workout is doing my electrolytes about 30 minutes before I work out. If you haven't tried Element and you're looking for a different type of electrolyte or you've never tried them before and you're curious if this is the missing ticket in your ketogenic diet, you can go to drinklmnt.com, grab a couple items and get a free sample pack with your order. That's eight single serving packets free with any element order. All you have to do is go to drinklmnt.com KDP and you can get your free sample pack with any order. Now this is totally risk-free. If you don't like what you get, contact them and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You really have nothing to lose. It's a fantastic product and I can't wait to hear which flavor is your favorite. Wow. That must've been so scary, especially somebody that's so close
0: to you. And I got to ask, how's your sister doing now? So my sister is one of the lucky ones, and I know that she is lucky because of what I know now about this toxin and the kind of illness that it can cause. But she suffered uh, really intensely for the first year. at about two years she s- sort of felt like this shift not only in her perspective but also the symptoms that she was you know experiencing in her body were kind of like she describes it as a light switch like it kind of, it went on and all of a sudden she's like okay I think I'm starting you know to to turn to turn the corner my journey or my healing path is becoming a little more straight here And then a little over two years out she was able to go back to work and then by three years, Most of her symptoms had waned to the point where either they were completely manageable or they just really weren't bothering her so much anymore. And so that was back in 2016. So she's coming up in March of 2016. So she's coming up on seven years out. And if you were to ask her today, she would say, I'm I'm healed. Now, (laughs) being healed and so being healed in your body and then being healed in your mind, obviously, are two very different things. So she still struggles with like the emotional component of what happened to her because that is really significant as I'm sure, as you know, with the clients you work with, like when our bodies are injured, there's this whole emotional side that we go through. So that part is something that she is, is still actively working on, but her physical symptoms are, are much better.
1: Wow. I, I'm, I'm so happy that she's recovered physically. I just, the thing that stuck out to me is three years. You know, you go in for this cosmetic procedure, it's over in a couple of moments And that decision was three years of her life struggling. That is just, I'm so glad that we're having this conversation. And I think one of the biggest parts of this conversation, at least what I went through, is the difficulty around this topic. Like, you know, I went for my Botox every three months. Since I was 20, 21, I started. And it was like, that's what I did until that's not what I could do anymore. And it was so challenging to rectify what people were telling me versus what I wanted. I was very addicted. I would say I was addicted to Botox for sure. Without a doubt, I couldn't stop. What have you seen with the people that you've had conversations with and individuals that you've walked alongside where the difficulty is with this topic of many women we're doing it. It's not a problem. And then we hear a podcast and we're like, "Mm, is this really a problem? Like it's not happened to me. Do I need to be concerned about it?
0: Yes, you know, I the difficulty I think the biggest difficulty that I have seen in the people that I work alongside is just that there is a narrative surrounding, you know, these products that they are completely safe. And, you know, the side effects and the things that are happening to people are being either swept under the rug or people just simply don't know, you know, that the things that they're suffering from are actually connected to their use of these products. And so it does spark really uncomfortable conversations with people. And so for me, it's uncomfortable because, you know, I have a personal experience with it. You know, not only did I watch, you know, my sister's life crumble before my very eyes and And, you know, she was a young mother at that time and she had a booming career and she had all of these things and these life goals that she were just, you know, completely, you know, ripped away from her in such a short period of time. So I've experienced watching that. And then of course, meeting others who, and now I'm directly working with these people who have had this happen. For me, it's become something that, you know, once I learned the information and then I saw these experiences, I can't unsee it. And so it's really hard for me to not Talk about it, and to not have those uncomfortable conversations with people, but it is so much like this. It becomes kind of like this elephant in the room, where I feel this responsibility to be like, "Hey, I want to talk to you about this," but then also people have to be willing to to see it in a different light, or they have to have the headspace and you know a heart open to learning, you know what is really happening because it's uncomfortable. It can make them feel you know, like they're making poor decisions in their life or can make them face deeper issues of why they're using these things in the first place. And it's just all around a difficult topic.
1: (laughs) Yep, completely. I've had to walk through that. Not pleasant, very difficult. Couldn't agree with you more. So I kind of wanted to break up our conversation into a couple of pieces. First, just understanding the intricacies of Botox. Like, what is Botox? When we go to our dermatologist or whomever we're going to, or considering going to,
0: what are they putting in us? Okay. So just to say, when you hear me say Botox, that is a brand name, right? Of a product that is botulinum toxin A or on a botulinum toxin A. And when I say Botox, I am literally referring to the four other approved botulinum toxin drugs. So because Botox was the first approved, it has kind of become like the top name, but there are four other botulinum toxin drugs on the market as well. So we've got Dysport, Xeomin, Javo, or you might hear Javo referred to as new talks. And then we have the newest one that's come down the pike, Daxify, or people are nicknaming it Daxi. And so there's also, and then there's one more, but it's a different botulinum toxin. It's botulinum toxin B. Um, it's called Myoblock, and that's primarily used um, for medical conditions. So, but anyway, when I say Botox, I am referring to to all of them. And so the definition of Botox is basically botulinum toxin A. And what botulinum toxin A is, it's a neurotoxic protein, and it's derived from a gram-positive bacteria called Colostridium botulinum. Now this bacteria is naturally occurring in our environment. And it's this bacteria itself in its bacteria form we can say that it's largely non-toxic, okay? But botulinum toxin A is derived from it. So it is a neurotoxin that is the same neurotoxin that's responsible for causing human botulism and in the right conditions. So when this bacteria goes into these perfect conditions, whether it be in the lab or be in, in, in a certain environment, so out, you know, out in the world, or even it can happen in somebody's gut, it has, you know, it's anaerobic and it grows basically into what we know as an exotoxin or a neurotoxic protein. So botulinum toxin A is a neurotoxic protein. And the way that it works in these injectables is that it basically blocks neuromuscular transmission so at the, so this happens at the nerve sites. So what it's doing in the body is it's inhibiting the release of a really important neurotransmitter, which is basically a chemical messenger, and it's called acetylcholine. And this chief neurotransmitter neurotrans- is what is released from your nerves in your muscles when it is telling them to contract. So this toxin is injected in there and it destroys the nerve so it's no longer able to perform that function and then the effect of that is that it causes the paralysis to the muscle and so when you're you know getting this treatment done cosmetically you are paralyzing the muscle. And so, you know, and a lot of people say, okay, well, why do I have to go back then? Well the reason why you have to go back and get it done again is because your body, our bodies are really efficient, amazing like machines, right? So they actually restore and regrow new nerves in the the, the place of the ones that were damaged and die off. And those new nerves through this restorative process then can then function in the way that the previous ones did. So then the muscle Um, goes back to moving more normally. Now, I do want to say that just because that's the way that it typically works for most people doesn't mean that it will always work that way. We certainly have a number of people in our support group whose bodies, for whatever reason, lose the ability to go through that regenerative process, and those nerves don't grow back. And so then they are left with changes to the muscle structure, sagging muscles, and and then a whole slew of, of other problems that happen as a result of that.
1: Wow. And so you touched on the Botox, Dysport, I think you said Daxi. A lot of the times when we go in for our injections, I know the very last time that I did, the lady said, well, when you might want to try switching to Dysport and doing like Botox one time, Dysport the next time, just so your body doesn't get used to it. What are your thoughts on that as a means of reducing symptoms?
0: So, um, my thoughts on that are that she's right, that it can't happen. And that goes back to the way that our bodies are designed to work. So I'm, I'm, I'm of course from the camp that I believe based on a lethality standpoint, which we can talk about later that this toxin does not belong anywhere in the human body at least electively right and so when one botox product stops working it's usually because our bodies or their bodies started to create antibodies that work against the mechanisms of how this toxin works and so it loses its effectiveness because the body is like oh this isn't supposed to be here and i'm not going to let it do you know what it's designed to do so so That's that. That's why, and so switching to disport, which is still the exact same botulinum toxin, you know, but they are made just a little bit differently, and so there's what's called accessory proteins um, in these products that differ a bit from product to product.
1: Got it. Okay. So we go in for our Botox or Dysport or whatever we're using. How long does it last? And, you know, some women get touch-ups every two months, three months, six months. Um, Why is there that variation?
0: Well, there's definitely that variation because just people's bodies are so different, right? We have different genetic codes. We have different immune systems. Our bodies learn and recognize things in a different way. But typically, what I can say is that most bodies can efficiently grow in new nerves that are capable of proper function in three to five months. And then for some, you know, they don't need it as often and they can just go a couple years or a couple years, have a couple treatments a year and still have the same effects. However, I would like to point out that the newest drug, Daxify, that just came on the market claims to be a longer lasting botulinum toxin drug. And so perhaps this one will last for people up to six months or maybe even longer. I will say that one problem that that our team and I have identified is that we can't seem to locate in their literature yet and haven't received any emails back or information back from the manufacturer that we don't know why this is. So we we can't locate what's called its unit definition. So I can't tell you for that product, if it's considered longer lasting because dose for dose, it's actually stronger than its competitors or if it's because of the actions of other added proteins or these kinds of things. So, we really, I can't say that I know yet about Daxify, but typically for most people, you know, this function will restore in a, in a period of months. Okay, wonderful.
1: And so, I guess a question that's probably popping up in a lady's mind that's listening to this is like, okay, well, then I'll just. I'll just get the Daxi, it lasts longer, and the less injections, the better. Sounds like a little bit of Russian roulette, but I love the way my face looks, so I'm just going to keep on doing it. Does it seem a little bit like Russian roulette of, like, this could... I know the last couple of times I got injected, I was thinking, like, this could be the time that totally ruins me, like, fully knowing by doing this, it could could cause some severe damage. I hope it's not the time. Is that kind of what we're playing with here?
0: That's exactly what we're playing with. And I've I've used the terms roulette, Russian roulette, many, many, many times. And, you know, and then of course, coupled with that, you've got providers who say, you know, that this product is simply relaxing the muscle and that, you know, couldn't be further from the truth. It's actually causing chemical denervation, which is, you know, what happens when you're preventing the release of that Acetylcholine. And then, you know, and then people aren't realizing that this is permanent damage to your body each and every time you use it, and that your muscle works again only because your body literally went through a massive restoration process to sprout and grow new nerves. And then, of course, you know, there's this whole issue of what happens then for some people if the toxin moves outside of the muscle or it distantly travels to other areas of the body. And when that happens, that's when we're seeing it go south for people. So we see systemic reactions, or we'll see the immune system, you know, that can be via the immune system or other systemic things or allergic reactions. We'll see obviously all the clinical signs of botulism. We've seen other areas of people's bodies becoming completely paralyzed, you know, because it can travel along the central nervous system pathways, and so on and so forth. So then, of course, it becomes this gamble of, you know, is this going to happen to me? And the more I get it, is that I'm also going to play a role? We we have definitely seen that there is a summative effect in the body with this toxin. So we'll have people who, unlike my sister, will successfully use it for a period of weeks, months, or even years, and they will be seemingly fine. But then all of a sudden, you know, they'll they'll have discord instead, or provider will change their dosage just a little bit or, or score, they'll put it in a new area on the face and their body just completely goes South and reacts terribly to it. And it's, it's almost like their body was like, Nope, sorry, I'm done. I, I don't want it anymore. And they become very, very sick.
1: Yeah. Sort of this tipping over. That's really what happened to me is my body just said, that's enough. I can't do this anymore. And you know, I didn't listen. I kept going for another year before I was like, okay, this is actually a problem. I need to do something about this. And I'm so thankful because I know that other people don't get that opportunity to make a decision while they're still mildly okay. And that's really what I'm hearing from you, that chemical denervation, traveling to other areas, systemic reactions, immune system issues, allergic reactions. Like if this were to happen, how long have you seen it last? Like if you, for your sister, it was three years.
0: Yeah. So, for most, when it goes south, users face, you know, so people suffer on a spectrum, first of all. I got to make sure that I say that because everyone's body is so different. And so, for some users, it's completely catastrophic, right? That they'll be bedridden even, or others can manage their symptoms pretty effectively. But typically, when the toxin spreads like this and it causes a reaction, people are sick anywhere from five to 60 plus months. And then, of course, we have quite a few people, hundreds of people, if not thousands, who are, for whatever reason, have not been able to heal at all. Oh, and I thought of one more thing that I should have brought up in what it's doing in the body or what it can do in the body, that in addition to these systemic reactions, allergic immune, these things we've already talked about, is that it can also cross the BBB or the blood-brain barrier. And so when when this toxin was first approved for use back, you know, in nineteen eighty nine, the understanding was that it couldn't do this, that it was injected intramuscularly and that it would stay in the muscle. And now of course we know that this that this isn't true. And For me, you know, and for our team and for people who have had this happen and done any intense research on it, nobody can understand why it didn't go through a really intense and extensive review at that point because, you know, there was a a really well-known court case actually um, where the manufacturers of Botox were tried for a man who experienced, you know, such reaction. And in fact, his experience was fatal. And his team proved through these studies, these animal model studies, that the toxin did in fact crossed the BBB and it was the reason for his, his fatal coma or for that fatality. And so, you know, when I say, you know, you're playing Russian roulette, I mean, that is the truth of it, you know, for a small handful of people, this can happen. And so that's a risk that every single person takes every single time. Wow. And so many of those listening, I know
1: we've talked about the blood-brain barrier before. we talked about chemicals that cross the blood-brain barrier, um, including all of our sweeteners and things like that, aspartame, for example. And many of us are avoiding this because of the risk that we have, but not even understanding that that thing we're putting in our face can do exactly the same
0: thing. Well, and the thing is, is that it says that it can do the same thing, right? Like the, the writing is completely on the wall. And so that's, that's something that I really struggle with is it's like the information is there. It is in black and white. But here we have this, this narrative, first of all, that's saying that it's safe. We have, you know, black box warning label that is basically being either completely dumbed down. It's never seen. Um, oftentimes by people who are wanting to use this product or it's just completely disregarded by providers. And this label, this is an extensive label for the product. A black box warning label is the strongest, first of all, label that a product can receive. It clearly states this can be life-threatening. This can be debilitating. This can have severe side effects. And even the language is even there in that label that says you can develop botulism. And so It's it's just so hard for me, you know, to have people not use this product, but yet not know that at all. Not they just they don't even know that that's the case. And so our group, our support group, has climbed now to about twenty five thousand people who are suffering. And this is a group, obviously, that is a worldwide group. So this is you know not just here in our nation. This is this is happening worldwide. And then of course there's the reporting systems, right? The so the for here it's the FDA in Canada. They have Health Canada in the UK, it's the MHRA. There's hundreds of thousands of reports with these regulating bodies that are showing the exact same thing. It's there, It's we know it's happening.
1: Wow, yes, it's like when I learned that breast implants also have black box labels and nobody's being told. And I know at the specific clinic that I went to for injectables, I had multiple of the staff actually sign the documents for me. Like, oh, I'll just take care of that. This is what you need. It basically says that you agreed to getting injectables and here, here's your name, whatever, like just not a big deal. Like not even any time to sit down and read it. And that is my responsibility. Probably should have read it. But if, like you said, Gretch, if, if they're saying it's completely safe, it's completely safe. It's completely safe. Why am I spending time reading something if it's
0: completely safe? Right. Because you have a level of trust that we, or that you know that you put with the level of trust that you give to your your medical provider, right? That if it weren't safe, that they would tell you that, right? They wouldn't dumb it down or say no, just you know, just sign that. And that was the same thing for my sister. She went to sign those papers and she started to read it, and the nurses' reply to her was, "Oh, don't even read that. No one would ever actually get it if they read that." Ah, uh, you know, and that was kind of the the lingo there. <laughs> And that's uncomfortable to think now for her. You know, she's like, oh my gosh, like, what in the heck was I thinking? I mean, of course, she was already partially invested at that time of the outcome, right? Everybody's so focused on the outcome of what this is, you know, going to do, you know, for their skin or how they're going to look afterwards that they just kind of, their eyes sort of just gloss over then when it comes to the actual important stuff. But I want to say, that we've had people, you know, only have four units, three to four units, and still suffer every bit as intensely as people who go in and, and, and have 50 or, or more. So it's, you know, a little bit, you know, thinking, oh, I'll just get a little, where I was going with that is thinking, oh, I'll just get a little bit, you know, that that's not necessarily safe either.
1: <laughs> Completely. And, and in the case of your sister's story, it sounds like it was pretty immediate. What have you seen in regards to, risks or just reactions following injection? Is it a couple of hours? Is it a couple of days, weeks? Yes to all? Kind of what have you seen?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely, it's, it's yes to all. So we have had people who have a reaction right away. So what I mean by a right away means while they are at the practitioner's office. So, you know, within minutes, seconds, or even minutes, we've had people who have passed out. There's been people, you know, who have fallen off the table. Uh, there's been people whose heart rate spiked, you know, so intensely that they, you know, immediately weren't able to breathe and they start gasping, you know, for air. When this happens, it's usually indicative that that toxin went stri- straight into a blood vessel, right? So any amount, I should say, any amount of this toxin, it doesn't matter if it's nanograms or not, it doesn't matter the amount. If it goes right into your blood vessel, essentially into your bloodstream, that is by definition botulism. Okay, you have botulism. For others, like my sister, it took a few days and she describes her experience of when the symptoms came on, they had an onset, right? She felt a little funny for a couple days, thought something wasn't quite right, but it was actually when she felt the toxin take effect, like it has this setting. Well, you know, you've used it, so it has this like where it sets and it was at that moment where she had then these stroke-like symptoms come over her really intensely, for others, it'll be a period of weeks. For some people, we've even had people go an entire year before having symptoms from their last injection. And like for one example, we had a gal who was in a, a pretty intense car accident, and she hit the side of her head actually on the side where she had had you know treatments there, and that caused the toxin to go outside of the muscle, and then she came down with the symptoms of botulism. So. It, to answer your question, it's different for, for everybody. But I will say that it seems to happen either for most within the first week or so. And if it doesn't happen, then it's usually because of getting more, like getting a top up where you go over the amount that the muscle can hold or, you know, where you go over the amount that you had, you could like approach an unsafe amount, basically, or the body just decides, you know, I, I'm completely done with this. Wait, oh, there's one more way. Sometimes people embark on things that cause the toxin to spread. So we have seen that people who use like cell opener type products, you know, often those fall under detox products. Now I have nothing against detox products or detox, but when this toxin is concerned, Some of those products can actually pull, they have, you know, the ability to pull this toxin out of the cells. And then when that happens, it essentially comes out of where, you know, where it's supposed to be. And then it starts circulating in the body. And then we see people get sick, right? So there's just, there's many modes of which this can happen. And it's usually a little bit different for every single person. But the one thing that I want to point out that a lot of people don't realize is that putting all of those things aside, you know, putting massage aside, chiropractic work, the use of cell openers, the use of microcurrents shortly after having injectables, this toxin just simply because of what it is, just because of what it is, all by its little nanogram-sized self. The protein is actually very, very large. It is very, very capable. And once it's put into the body, once it is placed there, it is there. And so it can move or it can travel just because it's unpredictable and it does what it wants. It, it's a nasty little toxin. <laughs> That's what I want to say. Yeah. I mean, wow. Gretch, you are just,
1: you're so passionate about this. And every time you say anything, I'm just so, I'm so, I just want to take a moment to thank you oh, for just <laughs> everything that you share and the passion you have behind it. And just thank you. Like, you're yeah. You're welcome
0: well you know the the passion the passion comes from you know there was a time in my life where i needed help and someone gave me that help and so then when it was my sister who needed help i was right there you know i was on her doorstep and i was ready to do that for her and there's something to be said for you know in your own healing journey i mean we all every person in the world is oh, is healing from something right whether it be traumas, traumas from their past or, or things, you know, I don't even have to name them. We all know this. Everyone has traumas. I just realized that for me, my passion is because I don't want this to happen to anybody else. I don't want to see yet another person, you know, have their life turned completely upside down because of this elective use of this product. It just... To me, it's it, it makes me sad. And I if there's if I can use my voice, right? If I can use my voice in a way that makes people stop and pause, that at least makes them stop and be like, hey, I'm gonna look at this a little closer, then I feel like I've done something good. I feel like I've fulfilled a bigger purpose for my own self, but then also that it has a greater, a greater reach for others. So that's why I do it.
1: Yes, I love that. And you mentioned we we haven't really touched on this before. We move over to fillers a little bit. Off-label uses of Botox. Can we talk a little bit about that? I've seen some crazy stuff on the internet about. And it just
0: keeps getting crazier. I (laughs) like, and you know, over on the Instagram platform, I, I see these videos and these reels of this crazy stuff, and I just, I, I. You know, I have to tell you. Sometimes I have to turn it off because it gets it gets so frustrating and disturbing that this is happening. So off label use it's, it's rampant, just like you said. And over really over two thirds of the use of botulinum toxin products is used in an off label way. And and really, I think it's that it's approaching even more than that now. So what off what off label means is that it hasn't been studied, and we have no idea the long term effects of using it in these ways. And so obviously, this increases a person's risk um, that something terrible could happen. And so off-label use, basically the definition of that would be any use that first of all goes over the recommended number in units that are approved for that particular area of the face or of the muscle group. And then it is also treating areas that are just completely not approved. And each product obviously has its own labeling. So Botox's label is the most extensive, right? So they have the cosmetic use for it and then they have the medical use for it. Dysport, you know, it's, it's only approved cosmetically and so on and so forth. But I want to make sure that people realize that off-label means even if you're just getting more, like for example, the glabellar area, right? So there's a couple injection points there and it should total a very specific amount. It's like 20, 24 units, something like that. So if you go and you get, oh, I don't know, 34 units to that area, that's too much according to what's been studied, and that's considered off-label. And then, of course, let's see how many areas we can name. I bet you can come up with some too. Botox for TMJ, off-label. Botox for depression, off-label. Chin pebbles, bunny lines, lip flips, swan neck, calf muscles, eyelid ptosis, neck bands. Can you think of others? All off-label. All these places have not been studied. We don't know the long-term effects of it. We don't even know if it's safe. Pelvic dysfunction, off-label. Botox for allergies, off-label. I mean, it goes on and on, and it gets crazier and crazier, right? It's so crazy. It's so (laughs)
1: crazy. Like, I'm speechless. Yeah, completely. Totally. Yes, I,
0: I would tell everybody to read the label. Read the portion of the label especially section 5.3. And this is just interesting. Here's the interesting part is that it's all there black and white. Okay. It says right there, you know, the risks associated with using it in an off-label way. It's right there in the label, but yet we have providers, focus groups, national manufacturer trainers, manufacturer sales force teams, you know, all Um, encouraging this off-label use. And it's rampant, especially on social media platforms. And it it really, at the end of the day, it's it's enough to make anyone's stomach turn or mine anyway.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm right there with you. Stomach totally turned. So how does, how does this differ from fillers or does it, or is it a totally different beast?
0: it's a totally different thing. And I'm happy to, obviously I'm not as well versed in fillers, but I have done a pretty good amount of research and I'm doing more because, you know, what we're seeing, of course, is that we're seeing when people use Botox, they often use fillers too. And so we're seeing injuries for both. Fillers are quite different and well, they're totally different. They work completely differently on a toxicity scale, right? So we're looking at them and their lethality only. They aren't actually inherently super toxic. But the thing is, that really doesn't matter because, of course, we are still seeing loads of injuries from them. And I can talk a little bit about that here. So first of all, the FDA database for us, for our database lists over 400. I think last time I counted, that's really hard to count them on there because they're really like written really small, but if it's over 400. I can say for sure Um, Side effects listed to Juvederm, and one thing that's really frustrating, where our regulating bodies need to improve, is that this regulating system often lists these products under generic. And so, I can't say I know Juvederm is listed in there really specifically, but as far as all the other ones go, they usually providers go in there and report it as generic. So it makes it really hard for people to connect the dots as to you know is this from that that specific product or not. But anyway. Dermal fillers can be synthetic, right? Or they can be similar to hyaluronic acid that's found in our bodies. Now, of course, it's still being made outside of the body. It's still being made in the lab. But it mimics it quite closely. And so I have a slide, I think, on the Instagram page where it talks about the very, the different specific types of fillers and whether or not they can be dissolved. See, one of the issues with fillers, you know, their purpose is, right, is that they are adding volume. So whereas Botox is designed to inhibit movement and atrophy the muscle fillers are designed to create volume they plump they fill they add where you know where things have been lost so anyway one of the biggest issues is that they can't not all of them can be dissolved right and so that causes A real big problem because if you can't dissolve this product once it's placed, then it's essentially permanent, right? However, most people do use HA fillers, and HA fillers, for the most part, are said that they can be dissolved. But I want to make sure I mention that that the dissolver that these companies are using when things go south or when people change their mind, they don't like the way their lip looks, they look overfilled, they have this, they have that, that this dissolver, this hyaluronidase, is not actually approved for this indication. It is just basically a side effect, you know, of a drug that's used for something else. And here we find out, oh, it it, it dissolves filler. So in a way, it's been being it's off label use and it's being marketed as the savior for when fillers go south. But the thing is is that we don't even know, you know, what the long-term effects of using it are. So that's what makes fillers in my mind, you know, another game of, of roulette. You just if you do need to get it dissolved, you don't know, you know, if that's a good idea or not. So we're seeing, in addition to people having systemic reactions, we are also seeing sort of like a dysmorphia happen when people basically, they use so much Botox and fillers that they forget their baseline or they don't remember what they used to look like without them. And so eventually this leads to themselves really not even looking like who they are Anymore, right? You've seen this. We've all seen this, right? And in addition, you know, they can develop lumps or bumps or bruising or indents or disfigurement. We have people in our group who've had really intense infections. Um, they've had loss of muscle or fat. They have granulomas form which can really, 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 really be tough for people. and They can cause granulomas, you know, usually um, can lead to like a systemic type of reaction for people. We've seen people whose capillaries all over their skin will break. It's just like the list of what can happen is so extensive that for me, my take on fillers is, is just such a hard pass because I feel like it's like too much of a risk of of not only changing the way I look, but I don't, wouldn't want any of that to happen to me. And so that's, that's kind of my spiel on, on fillers. I I really don't like them at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Neither do I. I had them once and I had a terrible, terrible reaction to them for weeks. It was terrible. I'm so thankful it wasn't years, but yeah, no. I mean, this whole conversation makes me so thankful that my experience wasn't as bad as other people's, but just your heart just goes out to those people that, I mean, they didn't know. And they we should know, we should take it seriously. And that's really where I want to end our conversation is just now that we have this information, what do we do with it? How do we manage it? I know, like we said at the beginning of this episode, it was very hard. It took me over a year to finally like say I'm not getting this again because there is that that beauty culture right of of just I need to look a certain way I like the way I look and those blinders that get on when we hear black block box label off label use blah 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 I love the way I look it's not changing and I really wanted to end our conversation just talking about some of these pieces now You had mentioned a little bit of detoxification, pulling out toxins of the cells out into the cells of the body. What are you seeing? So if if a woman has decided, you know, like, I'm not going to do this anymore, is there a detox process and what does that look like?
0: Yeah, that is such an important question and we get asked it all the time. And, you know, there's kind of a short and long answer to it. The short answer is that once this toxin is introduced into the body, it cannot be detoxed. So basically all that can happen is that the user simply has to wait until the body until the toxin is no longer active in the body or basically until it weakens to the point where it's not, you know, functioning in the way that it was. So when I say function it means that the body effectively grew back nerves that could, you know, properly function and then the muscle movement is restored to that area. Or if there's someone who it went south for and they became very, very sick, you know, they are required to, to just wait it out until the toxin weakens to the point where it doesn't have the power in the body to do that anymore. And so you can't detox it, but for people who are sick from it, you know there are, of course, things that can be done to help manage their symptoms, but there is no cure. And that's, I think, what I want people to walk away from this is if you acquire botulism, it's called iatrogenic botulism poisoning, from this toxin, there is no cure. And you should also know that the CDC recognizes that this can happen as well. You can pull it right up on their website, and it says right there, "Iatrogenic I botulism poisoning from cosmetic or medical Botox, but there is no cure. And so you will hear people ask, well, what about antitoxin? isn't there antitoxin or can't that fix it? Well, the thing is, is yes, there is an antitoxin. In fact, labeling for the product was recently updated, which is really important for people to know. It says this as well in the labeling that when this happens for people, that they should be calling their local health department and the CDC to request antitoxin. Now I've read that, by the way, this is new since Daxify coming out, that this the labeling has changed a little bit And we've been waiting for this day for a long time and hoping that it would would come. It's here, it's there, it's in the label, that's great. However, It is making it sound like you can just pick up the phone, like you go to the store to buy a gallon of milk, and you can just get get yourself some antitoxin. Well, the thing is, is that that never happens. And we have such a few number of people that were actually granted the use of antitoxin that it's really quite ridiculous that it's even suggested because there's just no access to it in the first place. So I just wanted to make sure that I stated that because this is a new development, and I don't want people to think that you know if this happens to me i can take a magic pill the the reality is that it's very very hard to get that magic pill and even if you do get it it comes with a whole slew of its own side effects that could also be debilitating and life-threatening so it's really not a solution in the first place the only solution is living without right is to make sure this doesn't happen to you by getting to a place in your life where you're comfortable you know with the way that you look and that you are going to do this. And that's, you know, that I, I admit, fully admit it for myself, it's taken me a long time to get to that. And I know, of course, doing what I do, I probably got there a lot faster than some, right? But I've noticed for my own self that I've had to completely reframe what it means to age. And for me, I, I just realized that it's a privilege, right? And what really set this into motion was actually not all of this. It was that um, I lost my dad three years ago. And it really, really showed me how aging, he was not, he was not afforded that privilege to, to live to his eighties, right? Or nineties even, you know, he passed away at a really young age and not everyone is just afforded that opportunity. And so it gave me such a stronger sense that I would rather be here living my life for every day and feel healthy and be able to do all the things I love, than be sick and look a certain way. That is probably not even natural to me anyway
1: you remember about 10 years ago where everyone was using natural vitality calm to boost their magnesium levels until they up and changed their recipe and then nobody uses it <laughs> yeah so i started using magnesium citrate and oxide to get myself regular we're talking about bowel movements here. And it worked until it just didn't anymore. I was starting to react to the magnesium. I couldn't take any form of magnesium. It constantly hurt my stomach. I knew that it was a little bit to do with the fillers. Because let me tell you, there are tons of supplement companies that put crazy stuff in their products. Let me tell you, it's just too much. And so I shied away from magnesium, not really caring about my actual magnesium level, but just wanting to figure out something that would help with my bowel movements. So I chatted with a mentor. I've been so blessed to have amazingly smart people in my life that feed into me in so many different ways. And she had suggested that I do a hair tissue mineral analysis. So I did this analysis, even though I thought that it would be absolutely stupid because I'd seen so many hair tissue mineral analysis over the years. And I thought that there was no way that it would actually provide data. Turns out it was fantastic to the point where I did a full course on hair tissue mineral analysis so I could start using it in my practice because it was just so eye-opening. And as I started to dig deeper into my absolute ridiculous magnesium deficiency, I started learning how uh, the mixture of different magnesiums are really good in order to fully develop magnesium in our body and have our stores be really really good so we don't have any issues in the future so that you understand what magnesium is it's an intracellular mineral and a key element in cellular metabolism it's needed for both glycolysis and the citric acid cycle so we're talking about energy here it's needed for over 500 different enzyme reactions in the body it regulates sugar metabolism it's involved in energy production Its highest concentration is found in the muscles, liver, Heart and pancreas. Cell membrane permeability is maintained by magnesium. It helps with the relaxation of muscle and reduces inflammation. It's the heart mineral. And sodium actually increases the burn rate of magnesium. And so if you have inflammation, it'll drive up sodium and decrease magnesium. Okay, so it's really important to have our magnesium on point. When it's low, we're going to have osteoarthritis, osteoporosis depression, PMS, cardiovascular disease, noise sensitivity, adrenal insufficiency, hypothyroidism, anxiety, hyperactivity, tremors, excessive sweating, convulsions, epilepsy. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. And so there's this relationship between calcium and magnesium. So we really need to understand that magnesium is such a key component to our overall health. And so I, I personally was not prioritizing this myself. And so when the hair tissue mineral analysis came back as me being like severely deficient in magnesium, I started researching magnesium and I'm really lucky because my clients come to me with all sorts of protocols that they've been on and things. And I ask questions and I really try to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it. And the key pattern that I noticed with magnesium being leveled off in people when I would test them is that they were taking magnesium breakthrough by bioptimizers. Now I checked out the website and I was like, nah, I don't know. It looks kind of weird. I'm good. But when I started dealing with magnesium deficiency myself and seeing it firsthand, I was like, okay, I should probably just figure it out. So I started taking magnesium breakthrough by bioptimizers in August of 2022. I then tested my hair tissue mineral analysis three months later, and I no longer had magnesium deficiency. This stuff is awesome. It's a blend of magnesium chelate, biglycinate. It's got some malate in there, some orotate, taurate, citrate all blended together with a humic fulvic blend. It has a little bit of manganese in there, a little bit of B6. You're actually gonna absorb this stuff. And a little tip for magnesium and how much you need on a daily basis might blow your mind. You're gonna need five times your weight in milligrams. Okay, so let's say you're 150 pounds. Multiply that by five. That means you need 750 milligrams of magnesium a day. Yes, I said that right. So I'm a huge fan of Magnesium Breakthrough by BiOptimizers. Now you know everything about magnesium that you could possibly know. If you want to check out BiOptimizers, go to BiOptimizers.com and use the coupon code KETODIETWAT one zero for 10% off your magnesium breakthrough and all their awesome supplements. I just love them so much. Again, that's by optimizers.com and using the coupon code keto diet one zero completely. I'm so sorry about your father's passing and just that it took, but such a beautiful blessing that came out of that, right? Of, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And you know, you know, Leanne, the the inner circles, I I talk about inner circles a lot. We all have our inner circles and the people who are in your inner circles, I I encourage listeners, you know, who are listening to think about your inner circles, your spouse or your partner, perhaps, you know, your immediate family, your very best friends, your tribe, like your tribe of best friends, those people, I can guarantee you 100% when they are with you and they're looking at you, they love you because of you. They love your lines. I'll say it again. They love your lines. They aren't thinking about the way that you look. They're just thinking about how they love you. And so for people who embark on these transformations with injectables, like you really have to, I ask you to think about why you're doing it and who you're doing it for. And I think that it might help lead you to your answer. And for me, I just have realized that I was so trained by narratives. I was so trained uh, trained by culture, the media, that people um, aren't allowed to age. I, I worked in the beauty industry for many, many years and ultimately ended up leaving the industry for a number of reasons, but when I was in the thick of it, when I was doing that, I realized now the extreme amount of pressure that I put my own self under to look as though I wasn't aging because there's this like negative, you know, narrative surrounding it. And at the heart of it, it's, it's ageism, right? It's, it's ageism you know, we've been taught that we're not allowed to age, right? And that there's just this whole negative thing surrounding it. But I mentioned a podcast that I listened to by the name of a woman, Dr. Louise Pendry, who's an amazing academic. She's like a um, college professor who has studied age- ageism and she teaches courses on it. She wrote a children's book that's just so adorable. That's called Grandma's Can't Trampoline. And I just loved it so much. And it, I know, know, there just was just something so sweet about that book that really showed me how, beautiful aging is and that it's different for everybody. And it just doesn't mean that you can't have fun. You can't trampoline. You can't love nice things or take good care of yourself. It's just the meaning behind the book is, was adorable. That sounds like such a great book. It sounds oh, like such so a great cute. book. It's so cute. And I, I, I would, I was wishing for the longest time, like, oh my gosh, should I, could I somehow attend these women, this woman's classes? Like how could I get affiliated with this university and like go to her classes? <laughs> Cause I thought that it would just, it went hand in hand so well with, with my own study. And I just, Think that
1: she's amazing. So, oh, that's awesome. We will definitely make sure to include that. That's awesome. And we're recording now, so we can just pick up where we left off um, and I'll up. Perfect. It's fine. I'm just speaking on. So we'll just take a pause and then I'll reintroduce and we'll just finish up because I know we only have two minutes. I just want to make sure that we record an ending. Gretch, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge about these things. I couldn't agree with you more that chasing of youthfulness is really the name of the game when it comes down to it. And you're right. I really had to check my heart on why am I doing this? Who am I doing it for? And that is a really difficult process to go through, but I can tell you it's definitely worth it. And I really appreciate you coming on here to share everything that you know about this. Thank you so much for the depth that you've provided us and the work that you do every day, educating everyone
0: on it. You're welcome. And if I have a second, there's just one last thing I'd like to say is that it's really important for me to say it because I want people to know that I am a part of a team of amazing women who have taken me under their wing um, at a time in my life when I was desperately searching for answers, you know, on my sister's behalf, right? But I was feeling so upset and broken that I couldn't fix her or couldn't help her. And these women um, took me under their wing and they have mentored me and they have been doing this for a lot longer than I have. And that I just want to express that I am so grateful to them. And they are the women who run the Botox to Sports Side Effects Support Group on Facebook. And that they the, the credit really goes to them that I could have never done any of this or had any of this knowledge without their help. So I, I had to say that because it's very important for people to know. That's amazing.
1: Having mentors and people that come alongside you as you're learning
0: is so important and such it a blessing. Is. It is. It just- is. Incredible. Well, They you know, become my lifelong friends. And I, I didn't know at that time in my life that I, I didn't have that until, until you find something that's so great. Right. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I was lacking that. And now I just feel so fortunate um to have made those connections with them because my, I think my life has forever changed in, in the best way.
1: <laughs> yes. And now sharing this information, changing people's lives, I can tell you, I, I don't think I would have stopped had it not been for your information. I, So I just I so appreciate the stuff you put out there, and I hope that this episode speaks to at least one individual about what they're doing. Even if it's
0: just one, that's all that matters, Leah. Just one, we'll take it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I will be happy with that. Gretch, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can people learn more about you, connect
0: with you? Sure, thank you for having me. Okay, so I run an awareness page on Instagram. It's at nevertalks, all one word, lowercase, never talks. And then of course, um, you can find me at the Botox Disport Side Effects Support Group on Facebook. And um, that is a private group just based on, you know, the sensitivity of the information there, but you can join it. And we have a whole education center there that we launched last May um, that will teach everybody and anyone more than they ever wanted to know about this toxin. So you can find me over there as well, I, I run as an admin there, and I, in fact, I spend most of my time there where I work one-on-one with people who who are suffering. So, yep, that's where you can find me. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Thanks again for coming on the
1: show. Thank you so much. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed our time with Gret. You can find more from her by going to Instagram at NeverTalks, and her website is Never talks.com. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it didn't scare you too much. I hope now you feel like more educated about your choices. And if you have questions or just like overall want to chat with me about your experience, hit me up on Instagram at Leanne Vogel. I would love to hear what you thought about today's episode because it is a little bit different than what we normally do. So yeah, I'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.